Welcome back to The Mix Show. This week we have a guy I've known forever, actually very instrumental in, in whether he knows it or not, in my success. And we're excited to have him here on The Mix Show, Jonathan Mannion. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here and an honor to uh, contribute to your success. What we try to do for this is like, I really think it's interesting to talk to people that do creative things in a lot of different, you know, attributes. And, and for, you know, for me, for what you do, um, man, you are just like a visual genius to me in, in how you are able to take what everybody thinks of. I mean, for, for those of you who aren't reading the show notes and didn't read the little bio on Spotify or Apple before you click play, if you've listened to a classic hip hop or R&B album in the last 20 years, 30 years, even, what is it? Oh, 25 years? Like, yeah, I'll give it 25. Like you've, you've seen this man's work and what's so cool. And we'll get into some of your, your, your favorite, your favorite things that you've done, but like people identify classic albums from an audio perspective, of course, but they don't realize how much creativity and genius and hard work goes into that, that one picture that that's supposed to, an album has 10, 15, 20, nowadays, 50 fucking songs. It's like, and all these samples and all these instruments and, 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 and millions of words from these rappers, but you have to, and your job distill all that into one image. Let's talk about that. How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that I walk into a session knowing what the album cover is going to be. You know, for me, I love to hear the music. That's the most ideal way to work with an artist is to hear the tunes hear the vibe, feel the vibes, pick out little words, you know what I mean, that might guide me down a creative path to get the title of the songs, the title of the album. Like all of that is their creative work that's done before I arrive. But I found in speaking to artists, somehow making the photo and doing the photo shoot um, with these artists is sort of like the exclamation point. It somehow makes it real when there's an icon right, to give to it. And that is the album cover. And that's always been my goal is to attach myself to the music that is forever because therefore I'm forever. And the icon and the avatar for it is always associated with the music. Do you remember as a kid, before we um, touch how you started with the album covers, like album covers that influenced you as, as a youth that made you really, that drew, drew your eye to them? Yeah, you know, my, my parents were painters, you know, so I grew up looking at light and composition. And so it all was infusing into my soul that when I finally started taking pictures, which is my senior year in college, you know, I was ready to go. But throughout my life, it was looking at albums, you know, like the 33s and 45s and stuff. Like, I remember that feeling, but I, I never was really looking at the photos that deeply. But I remember like the Kiss Alive record and opening that thing up. And it was just such energy and like, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Like, you know, the, the lyrics start to infuse and there was this balance of music and visuals that somehow fit, you know. Um, I remember more graphic kind of stuff like the police synchronicity and the like the three colorways and some of those images um, Depeche Mode albums, you know, if we go back to oh, some wow. of my early roots, I mean, that's, uh, Anton Corbin, I think was responsible for those, but they felt like something. I think without knowing it, 
I was absorbing it. You know what I mean? I was studying, I think, more art and art history, more painting, until I realized that photography was a great blend of working with people, having a conversation, marking a moment that would never be the same, and then realizing I was, I was good at it and good at the exchange, the human exchange that it takes to bring performances out of people. Once I realized that that's how I could sync up and being a psychology major, knowing the buttons to push to open somebody and set them free to give me more, I was out of here. I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then, you know, working with some of the masters like Richard Avedon and Mark Ohm, Stephen Klein, Ben Watts, Michael Halsband, you know, and then being in New York and realizing I had access to Puff and Heavy D and Jay and Nas and Foxy Brown and AZ and, you know, all the people that were on in that moment. Yeah. It was just like such a perfect storm, perfect timing, and a great point of departure for me to explore what I loved, which was each of those things, photography and hip hop. Do you ever think about like, I mean, I guess I never thought about it. A photographer almost is what an executive, like I think about like, you know, Quincy Jones conducting all these rooms and studios in the eighties for like Michael Jackson or in the seventies. Or I think like, you know, from, you mentioned basketball, like there's probably so many coaches that were better strategy driven coaches or technical coaches than a Phil Jackson. But, you know, he was the mental aspect and the motivation aspect and getting all the people to be on the same page is equally, if not more valuable than the, the technical skill. At what point did you realize that you, that you A, excelled with both the technical skill and, and the mental, emotional components? And that you were able to put, when were you able to put those together and synthesize where you're like, holy shit, I got this now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think there is something to be said Well, I'll say two things. I think mastering your craft, allowing the technical side to be unconscious. Like you don't really think about when you're DJing for a massive party with a lot of pressure, like the technical aspects of DJing. You're in the creative flow. Yeah, I count on those all. I count on the 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 hours to get me through that. You're right. I'm totally on the other side of that. So one thing I learned when I was embarking on my career was that the people that always got the better performances had a full technical understanding. So like in my mind, I needed to make my technical understanding and ability an unconscious trait of me as a photographer. Because then I could engage with the talent and respond to little things that I kind of saw that maybe weren't part of the plan. If I saw like a piece of light just like, you know, moving across a wall. It's like, yo, let's run over here real quick. And having the technical ability to respond and being so confident in the ability to translate what I saw in my head to film. Like, you got to remember when I was shooting, we weren't able to have the cheat sheet of looking at the back of the camera. We always had to know that we had it. So you had to know... And to be so confident with the talent and the art directors and the artists and everybody, the full team, like, yo, we got it. Moving on. Let's go get this next one. That's crazy. It's like shooting a game winning three and just turning around and walking down the court and you without even watching it go in. You just you just know it's going to go in. Yeah. What was your 
first moment when you have photography uh, that was publicly, you know, published or what, what you, however you'd want to say it, that made you feel like I'm, I'm either I'm, I made it or I'm on the path to making it. I think there were stepping stones, you know, like if I look at the first picture that I ever had published, it was a picture of, uh, it was small, like on the town kind of, it was like Ed Lover and Lily from SWV. Wow. Right. In a club. And it was like postage stamp size. But you couldn't tell me that I just didn't shoot the greatest campaign ever of all time because I was published in New York City in 1993 or four, whenever, you know, I arrived to New York in 93. So I was really in the clubs and I was building relationships and I was, you know, the hand to hand combat of shaking hands and waving and kissing babies and stuff. You know, it was like I was on campaign. I wanted everybody to know that I was I was coming for the spot and that I had the ability to tell a different story. I just felt like there was always a chance because of my passion for the music. And I think that being able to have the dialogue around the music, which moved everybody's soul, got me in and brought my talent to the table. I remember shooting some behind the scenes stuff for Heavy D who was like, you're going to be my eyes. And I was like, great, I'll, I'll let's do that. You know, that's awesome. Um, which is an incredible break. And then, uh, and then it was Jay-Z Reasonable Doubt. It was my first album cover. Like, how did that, like, when, when, when that happened, did you know that you would be shooting a top five classic hip-hop album of all time? Potentially a, a top 25 album of any genre of all time? I, I mean, to say that exact, exact statement would be probably a stretch. Right. Yeah. But to know that I was working with somebody that instantly I considered the best I'd ever heard just off of hearing Dead Presidents, the single, like, yeah. yo, take the single home, just vibe out to it. This is what we're coming with. It's like presidents to represent me. I was like, oh my God, like this guy's gone, you know, like just out of here. And I just love clever people, people that are, can articulate lyrics in a way that I could never even dream about coming up with. But I do that photographically. Yeah, you know, and and I think that that's the the appreciation that I have for masters of their craft, you know, of which I would consider you one as well. You know, like you don't last in this game without really knowing your, your shit. You know, yeah. I mean, I know my shit, and I love and I love the shit that I know, and I think that's a that's a very hidden combination of like not just knowing it, but like loving it. And when you could put those two together, and you could put your brain and your heart together whatever your creative output is, you're, you're going to give the world your best version of that. Yeah. And I've also done a million things that were, you know, it was more for the heart than for the brain. And, and, you know, sometimes things more for the brain, for the heart. And we've all done things for the wallet in disregard of the brain and the heart, but like the ones yeah. that mean the most are the ones where, where, where there's that, that, that synthesis of, of, of both of those. Yeah. Do you think, you know, how many, how many J covers did you do? Just eight, just eight. So what was your next big thing? Like post, the J run, what was the, the thing that set you apart independently where you felt like I could rock out hundred percent Jonathan Mannion on my, on my own. This is just what I do. I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to be known as just that guy. I'm going to be the guy that did, does everyone shit. Look, I think that, you know, Jay-Z was, was certainly uh, an anchor of my career. Like, Oh, you're the guy that did all that J stuff. And that one. Oh, and that one. And that one. 
at the same time, I was still shooting Eminem, Marshall Mathers LP, Eminem show. I was shooting all Ja Rule stuff. I was like, there was a moment that I'm like, oh, I can cover everybody. Like, I can tell the fullness of the story of hip hop from when I jumped in Reasonable Doubt, which I would mark as a bit of a, what was before a different era into this new era, the Jay-Z Nas, you know, Biggie kind of moment was like 93 was the start of Bad Boy. So that was a a marked moment. And then it grew. So like that was sort of a beautiful point of departure to take this journey with the people that are the powerhouses of this industry now. If you look at Puff and Jay and Nas and what they're doing, they're still here. We realized that this could be a career. We could really do this thoroughly and consistently and and build out an entire, you know, culture and infrastructure of business that is the dominant force of music today, without question. Who is the artist you've never gotten to work with that you'd always want, could be dead or alive, that you've always wanted to work with? Well, an artist who's left us, Bob Marley, for sure. I mean, it's just, 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 you know, if anybody says, you know, Bob, like, oh yeah, Bob Marley, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's the most famous human being of all time ever you know, within, certainly within music, you know, but likely just as a human because of how many worlds he touched and how grounded his vision was and his understanding of himself. So I just feel I would get along well. I'm a big reggae fan, big Soka fan, big Caribbean music, you know, sort of lover. Um, And uh, so he's, he's the number one who's passed. And I would say Sade is, the person that I, I mean, because of just the mystery that surrounds her and like, you know about her, you know her music, you think you know her, but I think there's a whole other set of layers that barely gets revealed. And I want one of those or a couple of those just to be able to like, for the history books, for forever. Yeah. I want a moment. And not for now, because I want to make merch or do something with, or like, I just want that time, you know, just to, just to feel the vibes, you know? So that's, that's my number, my tie for number one. That's so interesting. I never thought about this, but you know, nowadays where everybody reveals everything about themselves online all the time, especially Mm -hmm. now visually, you know, you can't, if you're an artist, you have to share yourself visually fuck 25, eight, right? Like you, you really, you just stay relevant. You have to have, whether on every platform ever, you're, yeah. you, there's more pictures of you taken in one week than a lot of the artists did in the eighties or nineties in a decade, probably, you know, maybe that, and that might even be an understatement. And, and so I, I just think about like the mist, does it, does it make your job harder when you need to photograph somebody who's used to taking their own photos all the time and they think versus somebody who was never used to being photographed at all, or does it make it easier because they're used to being somewhat visual? I think the people that want to sort of control how they're put out there in the world, like it has to be a certain way and it has to be this and okay, get the shot, get the shot, you know, like the directors almost of their own identity because they have to guide this, like typically, you know, a younger crew that's following them around that just has that time to dedicate to one person. You know, I think that 
that's when it becomes a challenge. Like, cool, I'll do that. Or tell me when you're done. And then I'll tell you what we're going to do for the day. Because like you want a surface, <laughs> constant, IG friendly kind of thing. And I want, I want art, man. I'm yeah. trying to take you to a whole other place. We can do whatever you want to do. But yo, here's a reference. Here's a shot that I took that I wanted to feel like, like the lighting I think that I bring to the table um, and the, and the real talent that I work with. And I'm privileged to work with so many brilliant other voices that support my great lighting technicians and great assistants. Like the common goal of like elevation of an artist, I think that is at the core of every session that I do now and showing them the difference between good and great and great and excellent and excellent and superior and superior and beyond. Like, you know, like how do you just constantly say, this is dope, but uh, let me just show you one thing. Like click, 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 click. Like, oh my God, I look incredible. This is great. Did you guys see this? Like to get them involved and engaged and then for them to allow me to do my thing for them, entirely for them. Like I'm along for the ride. Sure, it can go in my portfolio. I love talking about the work that I've done, but I want the next shot. I want the next dance. I want to just do it again. You know, very, very present in the moment, but then you release it and you let it go. You know, it's like it belongs to the collective memory of the world. And I think that's the exciting thing about what I do is like making the memory, being present for it in the moment, making it authentic and then setting it free. You know, so. I love that. That resonates in, in, in so many different you know, arenas when, when I hear you say that, because it just applies to so many different creative outputs. What would you say to a young creative listening to this today uh, in any genre? It doesn't matter what it is that, that they do. What would be the number one or, or like number one and number two things a young creative could be doing uh, in any way? It could be it could be a, it could be a technical skill. It could be a mental skill, an emotional skill, just to give them a, a heads up to further their craft. You know, I think the biggest question that I hear from people and young shooters um, or just people wanting to break into the industry is like, how do I get there? Yeah. You know, and I think that that's, you know, the like fall seven times, get up eight is like a real thing, man. Like you're going to hit the bottom in every category as an artist, I feel, you know, and I think you should. It means you're not you're being too safe. If you don't go for it all and you push all in and you believe in yourself and you bet on yourself entirely. So nobody has those answers but you. You know, everybody can give guidance and accept all of the guidance and all the things and all the pointers because you, you're meant to translate all these perspectives. But you have to make the vision clear and you have to make it your own. And I think that's what yields and delivers leaders and, you know, real critical thinkers who are making work that doesn't feel like anybody else's. And I think that's the, be like, be your own person, visionary, shooter, photographer, painter, fashion designer, like within the arts, you know, and just go for it. Like full, full go, fail big, fail hard, and then come back and figure out, you know, how to improve upon that, you know? I love that. that that's just this is a great time to tie into like what I referenced earlier, which was you gave me that exact motivation 
many years ago when, when I moved to New York in 2008, you know, for, for those of you who, who don't know, Johnson's from Ohio. I'm from Ohio originally as well. Uh, we did not know each other in Ohio. Our journeys, uh, while similar, never overlapped, you know, uh, through a chronological standpoint. But when I found out you were from Ohio and then one day when you came home to, to Cleveland and I, and I got to meet you, my, my mind was blown when I discovered what you had done. And then I remember coming to New York one time and this was a year before I moved here and I was at, you were kind enough to, we went to lunch and um, you were kind enough to, to find the time. And, and you just like, you said, you, I don't remember exactly the words, that, the words that you said, but you were like, you know, you can do it. You should do it. You should do this. You should move here. You know, you've done everything you could do there come here, you can do it. And, and, and to hear that from somebody who was from where I'm from, loved what I loved and came here and, and did it was mind blowing to me. And I was able to take that energy back to home and, and say, you know what? I, I gave it my all here for 30 years. It's yeah. time for me to move on to the next journey. And, yeah. and it was people like you who, who did it, that, that said that exact thing that you just said for our audience to me. And it, you know, it, it, I, I might still be there, you know, if it wasn't for people like you saying stuff like that. So, you know, sincerely listen to this man, like his, his, his mojo works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super, I'm super glad, man. I mean, it's, it's heartwarming to know that some words like stick and, and it has for, you know, a lot of people that I offer this to, you know, like I know what it takes and the bravery it takes to just jump and grow wings on the way down. You know, like, yo, I'm going for it. Like, I'm all in. Let's go. Jump. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. You feel crazy. You you feel like you might not deserve it or you're not as skilled as the next person. And I think that that's the appreciation that we have for people that are already on and are executing their own plan. But I'm sure everybody has the same fear, you know, and I think that those those moments you know, I think are are really important to just push in and go for it and encourage others to do so. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's talk about as we get ready to wrap up here, something that you can you're giving to to people. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know you had mentioned to me there's a, there's going to be a book forthcoming eventually where we're going to be able to give people the entire Jonathan Mannion experience yeah. as a tangible thing where we could people could. All, all the little things you, we just referenced in the last half hour, they could be able to see it all in one environment. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah, you know, uh, going through 25, 28 almost years of images with the depth of each session being thousands of photos, it's, uh, it's a daunting task. And, you know, I just wanted, I always wanted it to be one vision, one clear thought, and the, the really more how I think, you know, like how I process and how I get into like process information, how I get into doing an album cover or a photo shoot. I want to bring that same sensibility oh, that. to laying this out. And then, you know, the stories behind it. I mean, that's the richest kind of aspect of what I have when there weren't a hundred cameras around documenting every moment, every millisecond of everybody's lives on IG for the world to see and Twitter for the world to read and clubhouse for the world to talk about. Like there was just like a few shooters putting in the work. So that's, that's now become a bit of like oral history and, uh, and some beautiful storytelling to really tell people what it felt like to be on 19th street with puff when Biggie rolled up in the land cruiser, you know, like what the feeling man and those sensibilities, I think people will be really excited to hear about. 
You know, I mean, the fashions that were happening, I mean, it's, it's all going to kind of come to life through the photos. And one thing I guess I'm most excited about is like the memories that people have around these photos are uniquely their own. Yeah. So like, I'm going to leave the stories out to begin with, but I'm going to figure out a way to infuse them afterwards. So you can have your own moment with each of these powerhouse artists from Kendrick to J. Cole and Khaled to Drake, uh, Aaliyah to Left Eye, you know, and and then like allow that to be your own moment with your own stories and your own experience with the music. And then if you want to know what happened on set, I'm going to have that for you too. So I love that. It's exciting. I can't wait to see it. And on that note, I think we'll wrap it. Jonathan, man, I appreciate, first of all, all the all the years of friendship, all the motivation, um, your hair. You guys can't see his hair, but I don't, and I'm sure the picture of this won't, won't contain these amazing locks, but as a bald man. <laughs> imagine, you know, imagine George Clooney's coloring, salt yes. and pepper, you yes. know, sort of silver fox meets the flock of seagulls and Robert Smith, but a little, a little more, uh, yeah, health, a little healthier. I think that thing's been teased out, you know, so long that it's, you know, but that's that's the kind of zone that I'm in right now, you know? I love it, man. Well, appreciate you. <laughs> Congrats on all the amazing years in, in, in this culture, just being the documentarian that you are and uh, Thank you, man. the upcoming book and on the health and wellness and everything else you got going on. And uh, we appreciate it so much. Oh, man, my pleasure, man. Great sitting with you and being with you tonight. That was it for another episode of The Mix Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please rate and subscribe to The Mix Show wherever you like to listen and make sure to follow on Instagram at Mick and on Twitter at I am Mick. Let me know who you want to hear on a future episode and we will see you back here next week. The Mix Show is presented in partnership with Maxim. The show is produced by Lantigua, Williams & Co. Cedric Wilson is our producer and mixed this episode. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor.